Hello there, hockey fans. Welcome to this week's episode of From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. And of course, I'm joined every week by my wonderful co-host, Mr. Rick Stevens, the founder of Rocket Sports Media and our editor-in-chief. How are you today? It's another busy hockey day as the regular season is underway and games all over the place. And uh, all over the yeah, place. All kinds of news, all kinds of things to talk about already in the, the early season. Really? I thought it was going to be like a slow news day. Hmm. Not so much. And and you're you must be happy given uh that your kind of off the chart choices in the fantasy draft, hockey draft are uh, paying <laughs> off early in this season. <gasps> Joseph Whalen is going down. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired across the bow. Yes, I happen to um you know, Joseph Whalen thought he'd be really 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 cool and he thought he would uh, scoop up Travis Konechny. Tried to get a little dig in on my flyers. If you listen to the Canadians Connection on Saturday, Joseph Whelan was sure to tell you that my response to that during our fantasy hockey draft was, you're a dead man, Whelan. And uh, so I said, fine, I'm uh, just going to go pick up um, Mika Zibanejad and Anthony Mantha. And they've pretty much scored 100 goals between the two of them in the opening weekend. (laughs) So you might as well just crown me champion now. They're certainly at the uh, top of the scoring list. We'll see how long that lasts, but uh, yeah, it's um, loving it. Top three, oh, and I, I should I mention say. that Joe Whalen was like, "Well, I was really bummed because I didn't get Carey Price," and I was like, "Oh, why? Because I picked him." <laughs> so I also have Carey Price, but it's Keith Kincaid uh, starting tonight for the Montreal Canadiens against Buffalo Sabers with Carey doing the home opener in Montreal tomorrow against uh, the Detroit Red Wings. This is my slow clap for Keith Kincaid. (laughs) I hope he does well. It's Buffalo, so I hope he does well. Best of luck to Keith Kincaid tonight. Uh, And yes, while uh, I'll be one eyeball on two different screens because while that's happening the Flyers have their home opener tonight finally Um, they're hosting the New Jersey Devils so it's the first time Wayne Simmons will be back in the Wells Fargo Center not wearing the orange and black (laughs) which is like going to be really weird but he has he has said he will be very disappointed in Philly fans if they don't boo the absolute snot out of him so don't think that when you hear all the booing, it's because they hate him. It's because he said, you better boo me because Philly likes their Wayne Simmons. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the Flyers and, and their home opener tonight later in the show. In fact, I guess I could give you a little preview as to what we're going to talk about today. Of course, in our first segment, when we talk about the Laval Rocket and the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, we finally get to talk about uh, what has happened in some regular season games. Yes, that's right. Uh, both Laval and the Phantoms kicked off their seasons last weekend, and both uh, actually had their home openers last weekend. Uh, Laval played two games. The Phantoms played one. So we're going to give you just a quick little uh, synopsis of how those games went. Uh, there's also some, uh, you know, 
roster movement to talk about, some, uh, well, just some analysis in general about how players performed, how coaches performed. Um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. It's going to be a, I, I, I'm going to put the teaser out there that it's probably going to be a slightly feisty segment. So don't go anywhere. You won't want to miss that. Uh, in our second segment, of course, we go around the AHL. It's back. The AHL has awarded their very first player of the week for the 2019-20 season. So we're going to talk about who that is. There's a pretty well-known name who announced their retirement this week. There's another kind of well-known name for Habs fans uh, who uh, is about to start playing in the AHL, which is, which is interesting. Um, as well as talk about, uh, I know we, we mentioned recently that the AHL has launched a new website and we're slowly kind of finding some of the new features that are available on that. And one of them uh, is actually part of their game center uh, for game stats and so forth. So we're going to talk just briefly about a new feature on the AHL website and what to really make of it. And then in our final segment, we go beyond the AHL. Uh, just a quick update on some uh, player names from the ECHL from uh, the last of their preseason games this past weekend. And uh, yeah, we're going to get back to those uh, Philadelphia Flyers in that segment as well, because, um, well, there's just some really interesting things that keep coming out of the Wells Fargo Center. And, well, you're going to have to stick around to find out what those are. So top to bottom, we've got a jam-packed show. As Rick said, it is not a slow news day. So it's a good thing that on this national bring your teddy bear to work day that um, <gasps> you have extra people gathered around the uh, the podcast radio here. Always. Every day. Well, every day is national bring your teddy bear to work day in Amy Johnson's world. So. <laughs> well, Some it's of you. also... It's also National Moldy Cheese Day, so you can um, – I don't know why that's a day, but you can also enjoy well, moldy cheese with your teddy bear. Well, so technically, like Stilton and blue cheese, that's moldy cheese, and I'm a big blue cheese dressing kind of person, so I'll take that. And bears will eat anything, so I'm, that's I'm sure. Heard. Yeah, yeah, they do. They uh, They'll eat anything. They really will. Hmm. Um, yes. I'm, well, if it's National Te- Bring Your Teddy Bear to Work Day, then that's, um, as I said, it's really no different than any other day for me. But uh, for those of you who've known me for a long time, you know that I have a, a stuffed furry friend that goes everywhere with me. Uh, his name is Bubba. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, he's actually hanging out uh, across my office here. Got his football sweatshirt on, you know. I'm okay, really. I'm a kid at heart. I'm a grown-up kid, so it is uh, Teddy Bear at work. He keeps uh, Bubba always claims that he's going to call into the show. The day that happens, I think <laughs> this show takes a wild left turn. So <laughs> for today, we'll just know that he's sitting by and he's listening and he's enjoying. And I, you have you have your good enough. But but if your um, if your teddy bear or anyone wants to 
call into the show and give us feedback. Um, we have a, a text line available 24 hours a day that you can do that. The Rocket Sports text line is 5853-ROCKET, 5853-ROCKET. Um, from yourself, from your teddy bear, from your, your neighbors, <laughs> your friends, your fellow fans, uh, we're happy to hear from you. We are. We are. And don't forget to uh, to hit us up on Twitter as well, at the AHL Report. Uh, if you've got comments throughout the week, if you want, if you have questions, uh, we can either answer them on the show or we can answer you in real time throughout the week. But always be following us at the AHL Report. And let's dive right into this, Rick. You know, it's uh, so the as we said, the the season for the AH, AHL opened last weekend. Um, and the Phantoms and the Laval Rocket both had their home openers. Um, I'm going to start uh, quickly with the the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, actually, because they only played one game last weekend. Um, what a schedule the Lehigh Valley Phantoms have for October. They kicked the season off with a Saturday night game at home. They don't play again until this Friday and Saturday at home, so they had a week off. Then they have another week off and play another Friday, Saturday at home. So for the first three weeks of the season, they're, they're, they're pretty, they're, they're skating pretty easy. Um, But they um, played their home opener against the visiting Providence Bruins. Um, Habs fans will recognize the name Josiah Didier, who is uh, made it pretty far through the the Boston Bruins training camp before he was uh before he was cut uh late in camp and sent down to Providence. Uh so Didier was in this game wearing an A, by the way. So congratulations to Didier, who's one of the leadership group. Um not the best outing for the Phantoms as far as the outcome. It, it was it, Rick. This was a bit of a weird game because the Phantoms actually played pretty decent hockey. There was a good pace. Um, Morgan Frost was was uh, made his pro debut on the centering the top line. Uh, his injury had healed from from, from Flyers training camp. Uh, German Rupsoff looked excellent in this game. In fact, Frost and Rupsoff were two of the best players in this game. I mean, Rupsoff had two really good shorthanded scoring chances was showing off some, some silky mitts action, uh, just deking around defensive guys. And I mean, just, he was, he was there to be seen uh, Morgan Frost really getting uh, winning those board battles and, and puck battles and making some really nice uh, zone exits and, 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 and passing cleanly cross ice uh, to, to teammates to make a clean zone entry. It was just, it was really a good, a really good game for the Phantoms. The problem was they could not solve Max Legacy, the goaltender for the Providence Bruins. I mean, this guy was just a brick wall. You couldn't get anything through him. Um, and so much so that the Phantoms ended up getting shut out in their home opener three to nothing. So, um, you know, not the way you want to start the season, but it wasn't for a lack of trying. That's for sure. Uh, Legacy gets the um, uh, first star in that game, uh, mm-hmm. 28 saves. And, um, uh, you know, it, it looked like the, uh, on paper, it looked like uh, the Phantoms were, they they uh, putting a decent number of shots on the net. Um, and you mentioned um, 
uh, Rupsov, uh, he had six shots. Greg Carey had five. Uh, Abe Kubel had four. Um, but when you use, uh, um, and we'll, we'll talk about the accuracy of, of this feature a little bit later, but when you use one of the fe- features, the new features of the AHL website, you see only, uh, according to the site, that the Phantoms only got um, three shots from what would be considered the, the home plate area. Um, most of mm-hmm. the shots uh, from beyond the circles, the majority of the shots from uh, uh, beyond the, the circles. And um, that, you know, uh, could have been one of the problems. The other problem is uh, lots of penalties in this game, but the Phantoms just couldn't get their power play going, going um and they went uh, 0 for 5 on the day on the power play. Uh, and that's going to have to change um, if, if they're able to uh, uh, um, make, a, make some noise and, and get back into the, the playoff picture, which uh, both they and the Rocket missed last year. That's absolutely true. And now they've, they'll have this entire week to work on it. Again, they do have two home games this weekend, and they're both rivalry games. They're playing Wilkes-Barre on Friday and Hershey on Saturday. So you can expect this team to really bring it for both games this weekend. It's going to be really uh, chippy hockey. It's going to be very competitive. There's going to be a lot of tension, a lot of energy. So um, they'll be looking to, to get the pucks in the back of the net. Um, but was was pleased to see uh, some of the young prospects um, making, you know, putting their stamp on the game. Um, as you mentioned, Abe Kubel, uh, a lot of shots on goal. Um, now this Friday, uh, Joel Farabee will be making his, uh, his debut uh, after being uh, cut right at the last second uh, from Flyers training camp. So he'll, he should be in the lineup on Friday night. Phil Myers was also cut. So he'll be in the lineup Friday night. And it also means that uh, Alex Lyon will be back. Uh, he, w- he traveled to uh, Europe with the Flyers as the third kind of emergency goaltender. So he'll be back as well. Of course, with all of them coming back, that meant a couple of guys did get sent down to Reading. Uh, Felix Sandstrom, the goaltender, was sent down to Reading, as well as Pascal Laberge, uh were sent down to, to Reading as well. Um, Sandstrom, I think, uh, makes sense. There's, there's a He and um, Kirill Ustamenko will be the, the goaltending tandem uh, for, for the Flyers at the ECHL level, and, and Sandstrom really needs some time to adjust to the North American ice. So he'll play, he'll play probably big goaltender minutes down there. And uh, that'll be, that'll be a good uh, start for him, I think to the season. And I would expect that we'll see a call up from him at some point. Um, so that leaves Alex Lyon and JF Brube in the net in Lehigh Valley. So we will see. And, and let's, let's be honest. Uh, JF Brube did not look good in the preseason, no matter <laughs> no. where he played uh, no. uh, with Philadelphia. He, he did not. And, and as you said, it, Sandstrom, uh, when we interviewed him said that, yeah, it's, it's a much different, it's not only the angles, it's a much different type of game and he has to get used to that. But if he can, um, uh, you, you think you would think that, uh, the, the Phantoms would hope that he can adjust quickly um, and so they can make the swap with uh, Barube at some point during the season because he's not looked uh, that good. But no, Alex and Lyon I, I, will, will be a big help uh, in that regard. Absolutely, he will. And I my 
looking at that Ford goaltender logjam to start the season, my hope was that it was going to be an Alex Lyon, Felix Sandstrom tandem at the AHL level and Baruby Ustamenko at the ECHL level. So like you say, I think we'll probably eventually get to that point. Um, And I think Sandstrom and Lyon would complement each other really well. Um, and, and Lyon would be a good uh, mentor for, for Felix Sandstrom. Sandstrom, we know how much off-ice prep that Alex Lyon does. It takes, takes the game very seriously, the mental game very seriously. So I would imagine he would be a, a, a big help for a European goaltender uh, making the transition. And, and not that it was uh, Burbe's fault, but just point out that he was the no. one that, that started the game against Providence and, and was tagged with the loss. Um in the, the opening game of the season. That is true. So um, switching gears now over to the Laval rocket. Uh, Laval had back-to-back games um, to start their season on Friday and Saturday. They hosted the Cleveland monsters uh, 7:30 uh, nighttime start time on Friday night on a night that the Habs were not playing. So of course that meant uh, a sellout crowd at Place Bell, more than 9,000 spectators uh, in the building. So it meant made for a great atmosphere. A uh, little less on Saturday afternoon for the three o'clock matinee game. I believe there were around five or six thousand uh, there, which is still decent numbers for Place Bell um, for their opening weekend. But let me tell you what. Who would have thought that they would have seen the kind of hockey that they saw this week? Oh, wait, (laughs) we did. If you'll remember uh, from last week and the week prior, we said, stop the presses. Everyone out there in Montreal is screaming, hey, plan the parade. Laval, on paper, Laval has got just a dynamite roster. And and hey, we're not denying that Laval's got a pretty stacked looking roster on paper, but we said, before, let's just slow the roll a little bit, take the foot off the gas pedal, because it might not go as well as everyone thinks it will, like it has the last couple of seasons. And sure enough, uh, goose eggs, Rick. Uh, they dropped both games to Cleveland this weekend. They, the Cleveland uh, swept the weekend series. Um, including I mean it was a tight game on on Friday uh, Cleveland came back to to beat the Rocket 3 to 2 but Saturday was a complete blowout 4 to 1 including two not one but two empty net goals um it was from top to bottom particularly Saturday's game was a disaster the players admitted it the coach certainly wasn't uh, complimentary uh and Friday night wasn't uh wasn't all that much better. I mean, Alex Belzeal scored the first goal of the season probably a minute or so into the game. And so, of course, that got the, the crowd really into things and, and good for him to to kind of get things going right away. And then after that, things went downhill a little. Um, yeah, it's it's <laughs> um, it happens. Uh, and, and, you know, we've heard um, we've heard these overzealous um, uh, predictions uh, from both fans and not only just fans, you can understand uh, fans being excited about their team, uh, but from some of the media saying this is the best team they've ever seen on paper um, uh, an early season favorite for the Calder cup. And, and I think that's, 
you got to be careful with those kinds of, of statements. And, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, what, what many people forget is uh, the same folks uh, last season were saying, this is the best season, the best uh, team we've seen on paper in a very long time uh, as an AHL affiliate of the Canadians. And, and, you know, uh, it was a team that ended up uh, right near the bottom of the standings. So um, you have to be careful. Now, this team isn't going to um, struggle to to score goals like last year's team did. No, um, they, well, they should with no Jake Evans uh, and 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 AHL veterans like Barber and Verone, Pekka. Uh, Packard's not not a, an NHLer, but he he did have success at least in Syracuse as an AHLer. Uh, Houdon, um, um, uh, you know, uh, couldn't figure it out in the NHL, but he has had success uh, in, in scoring goals in in the AHL. And um, he scored on Friday night, and and was obviously visibly very relieved to do that. Yeah, and and Alex Belzeal has been made into a bit of a he's an ECHLer, but he's been made into a bit of a folk hero and given all kinds of opportunity uh, on the top lines and and power plays to um, to score and 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 he'll do that too. Uh, the, it's it's just that uh, and there'll be nights when when those guys will individually work hard and and uh, score goals on a on a uh, you know, a, a weak AHL lineup and, and, uh, and this team will have success. I think w- until we can call it a, you know, a, a contender, you want to see uh, something different. And, and we talked about it last year, how this team uh, looks disjointed, looks like uh, they're playing as individuals. Uh, there's not much of a system going there and that we hope that the coaching staff would take time to, uh, figure things out over the summer and come back and, and um, hasn't happened so far. Joel Bouchard uh, in the fall, um, he, he's been behind the bench for six games and has not won one of them. Um, wishing he would, would take some responsibility for that. But uh, at this point is, um, is ready to throw his players under the bus. And, and even to the point where um I I I don't think I've ever heard a, a coach. I've heard it the the accusation uh, leveled at an at an individual, but it's the it's the it's the most it. If you want to criticize a player, uh, you call them uncoachable. Um, we we heard that uh, that phrase used uh, on Caden Primo during his draft year, and he mm-hmm. plummeted in the draft rankings, and and that's the only reason the Canadians were able to get him in the second uh, seventh round because he was called uncoachable. This coach uh, has called the entire team or at least a group of them uh, who have their heads elsewhere as uncoachable. And uh, that's, uh, that's certainly taking the heat off of himself, but uh, maybe unfairly uh, tossing it on uh, a group of players uh, just two games into the season. And if you're, if you're ticking off on your fingers and thinking, Six games. What are you talking about? Six games. Please keep in mind, Joel Bouchard was behind the bench for the two games that the Canadians rookies played in Belleville for the rookie showcase. They didn't win either of those games. So that's two losses at the rookie showcase, two losses in preseason, and now 
two losses in the first two games of the regular season. Um, so I'd have to agree with you there. Um, you know, everyone loves to put Joel Bouchard up on a pedestal because he's, you know, he's, he's loud and he's fiery and he's, you know, got this, this passionate bombastic uh, personality and way about him and way with his players and, and so forth. And okay. That might, we've said before that, that may work for some of, some of the players, and there's going to be a lot of players that that doesn't work for, and that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to produce a winning product. Um, and Rick was absolutely right. Uh, he did he did call a group of players after um, Saturday night's loss, the second loss, uh, called a group of players uncoachable. Uh, it was referencing that there's um, – that he feels that there's players whose minds are elsewhere, meaning uh, not happy about being sent down to Laval, not happy that they're not playing in the NHL, and 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 accusing those players of being uncoachable. Uh, you don't believe me? Well, uh, our own Chris G got that audio live and in person uh, in the post-game press conference, and here's here's what Bouchard said. No excuses to the guy, not good enough, not even close. They're uncoachable when they're in that mindset. I know that. Um, try to push them a bit, but there was nothing much. So now uh, we're going to get to know each other next week. We're going to put the guideline in how we expect guys to play. And then uh, it won't be easy. It's not a magic trick, but we'll we'll work at it. Um, and obviously that was the message that was given by the coach in the dressing room after the game to the players as well, because uh, one guy who we know has been a leader in the, in the dressing room last year was Carl Alsner. Um, and he kind of echoed those statements after that game uh, with these words. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I wasn't expecting it at all. Um, look at the, the talent that we have in the room uh, this year. You expect a lot more, but at the same time, uh, it, you know, it seemed, we seemed a little bit uninterested, which is, I guess expected, but not not good. Um, there are a lot of guys that are still probably uh, off a little bit of the training camp hangover, you know, getting sent down and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but at the same time, uh, we need to play better. All the guys played hard and they they played like they wanted to win, and we didn't match it. Uh, you know, I give Carl Alsner credit for being. Uh, Carl Alsner said it in a much more diplomatic way. And frankly, with a better leadership style, in my opinion, with a better leadership style, um, as Rick, Rick, as you said, you know, calling a group of players, they're not coachable when they're like that. I mean, come on, it's they are coachable when they're like when when they have that mindset, you have to you have to know how to coach players who are dealing with the the mental and emotional aspect of of getting this close to their NHL dream and it getting crushed. And there's a transition period that has to happen. Some of them can do that quickly. Others, particularly the really young guys, the rookies, uh, let's say Ryan Paling for one. I know Rick, there's a, there's an article that was out in the Gazette last week that, that uh, you had brought to my attention that had some really stark quotes from Ryan Paling. Um, so it's not going to be that that's not going to happen that quickly for, for guys like Ryan Paling who've never, faced this kind of adversity in their hockey career before. So someone has to be there to guide them through this 
crappy part of the business of hockey and say, okay, welcome, welcome to the big leagues. This is what's, it's not, you know, there's going to be this roller coaster that happens of, of good things and disappointments. And here's how I can help you. And we can help you get through that and, and get your head on straight to, to earn that next call up. Well, and you know, one of, one of uh, Joel Bouchard's uh, favorite quotes, and he says it all the time, uh, he's, he's glad to say it. He says it to players uh, that if you tell me you're proud to be a member of the Laval Rocket, I'll tell you you're full of crap or you don't have your head on straight um, because you need to be, have your eyes focused on a bigger prize, not, the, not a, an AHL spot. And he's preached this. And so now uh, he's got some, some players who have, have, have come down, whether it's Charles Sudan or Alex Belzeal or Jake Evans or Ryan Paling or Charlie Lindgren. And, um, and, and, and I'm not leveling any of these charges at him, but, but he's, he's, he's already preached at them uh, that there's, you know, there's, there's no reason to be happy with playing for Lavelle and then says, why are why why is this team distracted? Why is this team upset from being uh, sent down? And 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 why can't they get their heads into the game? Why can't they be proud uh, uh, with a Laval Rocket jersey on? It it's 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 hypocritical, and um, it's it's the danger of of that other message that he was getting out there. Listen, he the the person the way he lashed out personally, calling them uncoachable. In another uh, 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 kind of <laughs> accusation, was talking about uh, uh, these players who have uh, Louis Vuitton bags and two- strutting around in two thousand uh, dollar suits, and and I mean, really cutting, really uh, hurtful. I un- understand that going zero for six when you're supposed to be the best coach that ever lived, uh, at least in in your own mind is embarrassing for you. I understand that. And you're wanting to take the heat off yourself, but uh, to, to trash your, your own players this early in the season uh, after a, a couple of games uh, against uh, Cleveland monsters, I, I, if this thing doesn't turn around and, and uh, I don't know where it's going because um, that's not the kind of, of relationship you want to get into right off the hop with uh, with your players not at all and there's being tough on guys and then there's stepping over the line with it, I don't even want to say it that way it's it's there's being tough on on your players and then there's not being aware of what your boundaries of toughness need to be at a particular time with a particular group um you know, let's let's talk about Ryan Paling for just a second. Everyone, ex- well, I shouldn't say everyone, but there were plenty of people who believed that Ryan Paling was going to make the cut. There were plenty of people who believed that guys like Mike Riley and Christian Follin should not make the cut, which would leave the room for Ryan Paling on the roster. That didn't happen. He's your top prospect. He's he's you know, right there with Kakinami. I mean, you're looking at the, the future of your center depth in Montreal. He's your top prospect. Okay. He gets cut at the last second. He goes down. Mark Bergevin says, you know, he's not going to be there long. Uh, he'll be back soon. Don't know exact timeline, but it'll be soon, but he's going to go down and he's going to play big minutes. 
And that's what we need him to do. We need him to play big minutes and, and really get used to the pro game, and then he'll be back. Well, let's clear up a myth right now, because Ryan Paling didn't play big minutes this weekend. Unfortunately, the AHL doesn't release time on ice statistics, partially, I think, for this exact reason, as people, uh, as media members and so forth, uh, analyze prospects. Now, Laval did the right PR thing on Friday night for the opener, and they had him listed on the lines that were put out as being on the top line, centering Pekka and Weiss. And Rick, you and I even looked at each other and said, there's no way that's the top line. Dale Weiss is not playing on the top line. And sure enough, that wasn't the line that started the game. And they, they, they definitely did not play first-line minutes. It was Alex Belzeal's line with Jake Evans at the center, which was essentially the de facto first line that night. The second night, okay, I guess we didn't have to do the PR stunt anymore. So Ryan Paling centering the third line on Saturday afternoon with Nikita Yevpilov's on his left wing, and I believe it was Veroni on his right, I think. Um, first of all, that is not your top prospect playing top minutes. So that's already a detriment to Ryan Paling. He's dealing with the emotional side of getting sent down. And you've got wingers for him who are not going to, to that are going to be more of a challenge to, to create chemistry with. Why not, if Alex Belzeal is the guy that you think is making all the plays and big playmaker, big offensive threat these days, you know, you want to, then why is Alex Belzeal not on the wing on the first line of Ryan Paling? That would make sense to me, but that's not what happened. And, and Rick, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to def- uh, refer to that article from the Gazette that you had pointed out as well, where Joel Bouchard said that he realizes the rookie must play and gain experience. However, it won't necessarily be at the expense of other players because there's team unity to consider. So there you have it, right from the horse's mouth. Mark Bergevin can say all he wants. Oh, Ryan Paling's going to go down and play and play big minutes. Bouchard saying, well, yeah, he needs to play hockey, but he's not going to do that ahead of guys who've been here before him. And that's exactly well, it, what we saw on Friday and Saturday. Yeah, Ryan Paling is obviously um, he he used the word shocked uh, yeah. at being sent down. Uh, that he's not happy. He's upset. Um, and, um, and, and you can understand, uh, what did we hear, um, from social media, from the fan base, uh, from commentators who don't follow the AHL, by the way. Um, yeah. oh, this is, th- there, there's, there's, there's no downside to going to the AHL. Ryan Paling will go down and play big minutes and that's better for him than being on the fourth line in Montreal. I disagreed with that. And, even if he was getting top minutes, which he's not. Um, but, but yes, it was, it was uh, 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 Joe Bouchard saying it would ruin team chemistry if this guy came in from the outside and we just catered to him uh, that he wasn't going to do that. He would just find a place for him. And, and the place he found was as a member of the third line or the line that was playing uh, third line minutes. 
Um, and as a result, um, Ryan Paling, uh, both games, um, you know, he was, he wasn't given the opportunities, uh, that the no. Alex Belzeals were or the others, uh, and, and, uh, didn't look good and was hard on himself after the game. Very. Um, but these are the kinds of things that, uh, and I, 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 I looked up the Bouchard quote. He says, at some point you have to put the luxury cars, the Louis Vuitton bags, and the $2,000 suits aside and become a hockey player. Um, players are coming from all over and we need to get them on the same page. That's it. That's all. Um, that's, that's, that's cruel. That's tough. That's, and, and, and um, you can see that, that Ryan Paling isn't uh, too enamored with that. The other thing that, again, with these personal comments, which, Again, are 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 I I don't remember these uh, from another uh, coach, particularly of a, 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 a developmental coach, talking about um, Charles Houdon and and Bouchard just got fed up hearing people feel sorry for uh, Charles Houdon uh, being um, uh, uh, demoted to the AHL, and he said. We all love Charles. He's a great guy. But listen, he's lucky. He's got the opportunity to play. He's healthy. He has beautiful children. I can't feel bad for someone like that. We all know people in our lives who are going through difficult times, so we have to stop feeling bad for Charles. He didn't get fooled for a year and a half in in Montreal or anything. He played in the NHL. Didn't work out his plan. Far from the first player to experience that situation. There are, are Charles Houdons on every team. Wow, that's tough. Mm. That's 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 stark. That's that's not a guy who claims to understand uh, the life of a player who who always says, "Oh, I've been in that situation. I I I understand my players. Um, you know, I when he's talking about injuries, I've played through bit worse." Um, it's, 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 um, I don't know. Um, it's, it's tough. And, 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 and yes, I guess the players will get used to his abrasive style, um, and let their talent come through and, um, recognize that they're there for, not for the coach, but for themselves, for each other. And, and, uh, they'll pull it together and, and start winning some games. But, uh, when that happens, uh, I don't think it'll be because of the person behind the bench. I would have to agree with you there. Um, I, I just, I'm not a fan of the coaching style. Um, and tearing guys down to, I don't know, I, I, to what end, I don't know, to make them feel small, to make them to, to try to put them in their place to, I, I don't know. And then trying to build them back up after, I mean, it's like they're getting hazed. It's, it's, and that's well, it's to trying come. to break them. They're t- trying to, it's like you're breaking a horse. And, and we've heard that, that his go-to, one of his go-to phrases this season, and he said it in, in, in uh, a majority of his interviews is there's some, players coming down to us with a bad hard drive we have to reform it reformat it mm-hmm. um, and he said that again on the weekend about reformatting the hard drive um, 
is that is that brainwashing? I, I don't know what it is or what I don't he's know. getting at, but um, it's it doesn't sound like empathy for the situation that some of these players find themselves in. Just to to kind of put a final stamp on this, I'm going to play. I'm going to play two additional quotes from Bouchard from this weekend. This first one's a little lengthy. It's about a minute, but I'm going to let it play out because this was after the first game. So this was a a tight loss. Wasn't the complete disaster that Saturday was, but this was after their first game, first loss of the season. And you can hear the excuses. And you can hear a bit of the attitude come through with Joel Bouchard. Just take a listen to this. Well, you know, as a coach, you want a game to be perfect. Every game, I want them to be perfect. I want everybody to score five goals and be outstanding. The reality is not going to happen. And on a first game like that, um, you need to live something. I think we made some mistake. We paid heavily. And we made some mistake that didn't cost us. And if you look at Cleveland, they made some mistake and didn't cost them either. At the beginning of the game, we replay that game later in the year. It'll be a lot tighter against you that much. It was a little uh, micmacky for me. Um, I think some guys, uh, obviously, half the guys are with us, half the guys are, are kind of new. So um, there was a lot of play where I'm like, holy cow, this is not how it's going to happen. And, and it's not their fault either in a way that, um, you know, maybe you'd like for them to know. But, um, you know, like I said, there's a reason why everybody's here. And now it's to roll our sleeve and, and go to work. Do I like the guys? Yes. But I don't think anybody feel it was a great game uh, in tonight. So there's some guys that are with us, meaning understand the system here. And there's other guys that don't because they're new. And it just wasn't good enough. And, I mean, he used the excuse a couple of times this week. Oh, we well, we only had two days of practice. So did everybody else in the league. Come on. I mean, it, there's always either they're too young or they haven't had enough time to practice or they played two games in a row, and that's tiring. Um, the excuses have to stop. I'm going to say that right off, right out of the gate, coming out of the gate this season. The excuses have got to stop. They were they were exhausting to listen to last season, particularly when they were inaccurate, and and they're starting already again this season. Now, someone asked Joe Bouchard after that, after Saturday night's game. So, okay, you have a week to work on things. Uh, is that enough time for you to get things together and and right the ship before next weekend? And this was his response. I don't make promises when we're after like this, but I tell you, I'll take the time it will take. We'll go forward. I don't, I, I, I don't make when we're this bad. I don't make any promises that uh, things are going to get better in a week. Well, that's a note of encouragement. And you know what? Yes, they have practiced hard this week, and I mean hard. The reports coming out of, of Plus Bell for practice this week are that practices have. I mean, he runs a hard practice to begin with. That, but the practices this week have been brutal. In fact, Patrick Friolette had a, had a tweet out today uh, that he asked Joel Bouchard, you know, what do you have to say? Some people are calling the practices you've been running this week as a bit punitive, meaning that they've almost been like punishment. What do you have to say to that? And Bouchard's response to that was, I need to, I ha- we have to be able to coach them. And, and if we can't, then we might as well just go do something else and, and go play chess or checkers. Well, that's certainly not 
Joel Bouchard saying, well, no, I wouldn't call it punishment. No, he's, he's saying, yeah, I, I punished them this week. And here's the thing. Their next two games are on the road against teams they've never played. They play in Milwaukee against the Admirals on Saturday. Milwaukee, who happens to be captained by one Jared Tenorti, so I'm sure he's going to be looking to, to, to make his mark. And then on Monday, Canadian Thanksgiving, they play a 2 o'clock in the afternoon game in Rockford against the Ice Hogs. So two teams you've never seen, no one has ever seen before on that team. I mean, maybe, maybe some of the veteran guys coming from other teams have played against either of those two teams. But as a whole, the coaching staff, they have not played these two opponents. And they're on the road. And the answer is, well, you know, I can't make any promises. It's not going to be an easy week. I I, I think that, again, this goes back to last season. And um, Joel Bouchard said he, he's not an X's and O's guy. He he's he coaches from the gut. Uh, we saw that the, the team, uh, when they were emotional, when they were playing emotional, um, it looked like they got shot out of a cannon. And um, and they played well, and and uh, and they they picked up their wins, and and looks like it's going to happen that way again this year. Uh, obviously, they'll be after after the the practices they've had this week, which have included bag state, skates. Uh, some people call them the suicide drills. Uh, um, they they they're going to be. Uh, they're not going to want to go through that again. So they're again, they'll, it'll be emotional. But but teams get burnt out like that. Teams get injured like that. And we saw that uh, the Rocket were a team that had the dubious uh, uh, mark of of having, uh, I think, the most most players injured in practice last season. Um, Probably. And uh, you know, it's it's it's. Um, I guess I just want to uh, address the fact that, that it's, you know, this is all brand new and, and I'm meeting these guys for the first time. Well, most, uh, you know, the, the, the players are, are, there's a good portion of them that have come back from last season. The, the, there's all kinds of familiar names on the roster. Um, they see them at uh, these guys at development camp. Uh, a good portion of the rookie camp was an AHL roster. That's why I included, and, and Joel Bouchard was behind the bench. That's why I included it. Uh, there's practices for that. There's uh, Joel Bouchard claimed in one interview um, that he gave uh, each player that was returning uh, a list of things to work on and that he was supervising, that he was looking over the phrase he used, looking over their shoulder, I guess, figuratively uh, all summer uh, so he was in touch with these players, um, so he says, um, and and so to claim that it's you know everything's all brand new, I think that's that's a little bit rich, um, and and it looks like they're playing the same system uh, again this year. So I I I expect that that the Rocket are going to look completely different, uh, very emotional, very spirited, uh, very high tempo. Um, this weekend and uh, good luck to the goalkeepers. Cause I think they're, they're going to be mm. uh, a bit on their own uh, and uh, it'll be, it'll be 
you know, full pressure t- in order uh, for the Rockets to unleash this this offensive power in the players that they've they've added to the lineup. Absolutely, and and you know, fingers crossed that they can come up with a win or two this weekend. Uh, you know, would love to see both of the goaltenders uh, have a have a good performance. And actually, they they both. Lindgren and Primo played well uh, over the weekend. Um, couldn't blame Lindgren on on his goals against Primo was the same way. Bouchard was complimentary uh, after that game. Uh, two empty netters obviously can't be pinned on Primo as well. So um, would like to see the goaltenders have some help and some support up front. Would love to see guys like Ryan Paling and Jake Evans. Uh, you know, have have some some good fortune as well, and and get some room to play their game. Uh, same for guys like Josh Brook, David Sklenichka, Otto Leskinen. Uh, so hoping, hoping that they can find some success this weekend. Otherwise, um, it's that's going to be a really rough beginning for the for the Laval Rocket this season. When we come back, we're going to take a quick break, and on the other side of this brief message. We're going to go around the AHL and talk to you a little bit about some other news happening around the league. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at Rocketsportsmedia.com. Welcome back to From the Press Box here on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And don't forget to find us on Twitter at the AHL Report. We always love to hear from you, your questions, your comments, your feedback. Uh, If you just want to chat about the best sport around, make sure you find us at the AHL Report. We'll be happy to chat with you. Uh, In this segment, of course, Rick, we're going to go around the AHL. And with the start of the regular season, that means one thing the AHL Player of the Week honors has returned. And uh, it's a goaltender that gets the nod this first week of the season. And that is Cal Peterson, the Ontario Rain goaltender. Uh, had two games last weekend, won them both, turned aside 83 of 85 shots against division rivals last weekend, going 2-0-0 with 0.96 goals against and a 976 save percentage so that was uh, that's a pretty decent way to start your weekend <laughs> it's the third season for cal peterson with uh with the rain and uh, even got up to los angeles for uh, mm-hmm. about a dozen games um uh in 2018-19 and and uh he was um uh, 
NCAA star for, for Notre Dame, um, even uh, wearing the C at one point. Uh, and, and his claim to fame is, is uh, running off 90 consecutive starts um, and uh, the fourth longest streak in, in NCAA history. He was originally um, drafted by the uh, Buffalo Sabres, uh, but then when the Sabres um, uh, he was a Tim Murray, Tim, Tim Murray, um, under his tutelage. And then when Tim Murray was fired and Cal Botterill came in, they couldn't, uh, uh, they couldn't sign him. They went in, in a different direction with Linus Olmark and others. And so, um, he made his way over to, uh, Los Angeles Kings and signing with them as a free agent. And, um, you know, Ontario didn't have, uh, the best of seasons, uh, but, uh, off to a good start right here. Absolutely. And congratulations on being the first player of the week for the 2019-20 season going to Cal Peterson. So um, with the start of a new season, I know this is one of your favorite players of all time. (laughs) Talk about another goaltender. Flyers fans, you'll want to pay attention to this one as well. Uh, Player retirement was announced this week. Uh, Very... Um, you know, Mike McKenna retired earlier uh, this summer and uh, we kind of called him the journeyman goaltender. Uh, This guy could probably go in there as well. Michael Layton at the age of 38 after playing 18 seasons of pro hockey, including parts of 15 years in the AHL with the Norfolk Admirals, Rochester Americans, Portland Pirates, Philadelphia Phantoms, Albany River Rats, Adirondack Phantoms, Rockford Icehogs, Charlotte Checkers, Syracuse Crunch, Chicago Wolves, Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, Ontario Reign, and the Utica Comets has decided to hang up the skates. Uh, Leighton is a five-time AHL All-Star, appearing in 507 regular season games in the AHL, which is the seventh most in league history among goaltenders. And, uh, well... Michael Layton's been around for a while. <laughs> He's uh, finally you know, had. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, come on. You don't want to see him go for another year. 1999 draft pick. And um, he was, he was actually a member of the Montreal Canadians for five for minutes. Hot minute. um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was claimed uh, on waivers from Philadelphia uh, in the 2007, right around the, the 2007 trade deadline, um, didn't play a, a second with, with the Canadians uh, and then was traded uh, just before the draft of the, in the same year uh, to Carolina for a seventh round pick. Um, and then what did he do? He came back to haunt. Uh, oh, he found his way yes, back to Philadelphia did. and that 2010 uh, playoff uh, conference final playoff uh, oh, yeah. between the 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 Canadians and and the uh, and the Flyers and and that's that's thought of as the the Yaroslav Halak although that's listen that's fake news that's a myth it was it was not uh, it was Captain Kirk who uh, Kirk Muller who uh, redesigned the system kind of took over. Um, you know, boarded up the the crease uh, like Cordwood and and the Canadians won uh, the first two series against Washington and and Pittsburgh with a devastating power play. Um, And then, and then 
Philadelphia shut down that power play. Michael yeah. Layton in for the first two games and shut out the Canadians both games. Uh, mm-hmm. Yaroslav Halak getting pulled and uh, uh, the Flyers going on to, to win that series um, you know, with Michael Layton in five games. And I'm so sad to to our Habs listeners. It I still am hurts. Sorry. Can you tell it still hurts, Michael? I, I, and still can you tell that memory? it's still a point of pride for Flyers fans? Yes, Michael Layton, 16 career Stanley Cup playoff games, including a trip to the Stanley Cup final in 2010, where he went eight and three with three shutouts in 14 postseason contests. So yeah, uh, Flyers of course then got trounced in in the final by the Chicago Blackhawks, which is why Chelsea Dagger is still, I get very triggered every time I hear it. Um, but who that series against Montreal was all sorts of excitement for those of us in Pennsylvania. <laughs> so congratulations to Michael Layton. It feels like he's been around forever. Well, but because he has been around forever, uh, he is joining the ranks of the retirees and uh, we wish him all the best. I guarantee you, I guarantee you he's going to show up on uh, broadcast somewhere. I just have a feeling not going to go away. Uh, another guy that's not going to go away, if I, if I said the name Joe Morrow, Rick, does that ring any bells? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joe mm-hmm. Morrow played half the season for the Montreal Canadiens 2017-18 season uh, before being uh, dispatched to Winnipeg uh, and then spent last season or in and out of the lineup for, for the Winnipeg Jets uh, last season. That's right. Well, uh, Joe Morrow is uh, now playing in the AHL. Uh, The New Jersey Devils signed him to a one-year two-way contract earlier this week. He was placed on waivers, which he cleared, and so he has now reported to the Binghamton Devils. Um, So he is playing in the Eastern Conference of the AHL. This is his eighth pro season. I uh, played 41 games with the Winnipeg Jets last year with one goal and six assists in that time. Um, he's got 162 total career NHL games between Winnipeg, Montreal, and Boston. Um, and uh, he has played in the AHL before, but uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll be seeing a familiar face uh, when the Laval Rockets uh, take on the Binghamton Devils this year with uh, Joe Morrow on the blue line. Uh, we should also mention something that, uh, Rick, you kind of alluded. Well, I talked about a little bit off, off the top of the show. You you kind of uh, branched out on it a bit in the first segment. Uh, and we just want to talk a little bit about a new feature that the AHL website has this year. When you're, when you're following stats for a game in their game center, there is now a shot map uh, that has not been – that has not been uh, – available before um it's it's you know the ahl seems to be slowly trying to move towards offering more and more statistics and analytics uh to the public um like we talked about in the last segment we're we're all chomping at the bit for the for the day that they finally release toi um we don't know when that will be but we're hoping we're hoping uh but now there's at least a shot map now rick there's there's ups and downs to the AHL shot map. Um, 
the the obvious pros are that we can start to kind of get a get an idea of where teams are shooting from uh, when they whether it's for wins or losses. Uh, more information is always better, but but there's also kind of a word of caution, right? I think so. Um, you know the the old programming lesson: garbage in, garbage out, and 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 uh, you have to. Um, take with a a bit of caution some of the things that you're seeing. It's great that the AHL is is going in this direction, but there's going to be a learning curve for the folks that actually collect the data. Uh, mm-hmm. We know some of these folks. Um, we we sit next to them in some of the press boxes, and they're um, they're they're great at what they do, and they've been in arenas for a very long time. It, they're going to, it's going to take them some time to catch up to this uh, new technology. They're the ones who are inputting it um, and estimating, you know, that was a shot from, from 12 feet away, from 18 feet away, from three feet away uh, and, and, and the angle and so on. They're the ones inputting it and it's going to take them uh, some time to, to um, be comfortable with the, the, the software uh, mm-hmm. to be reliable uh, as far as as uh, the information goes. And let's be honest, it's not going to be consistent from arena to arena to arena, um, at least not not initially. And so take what you see with, with a grain of salt. I should just mention that that was something that um, we asked uh, Commissioner Dave Andrews about uh, the 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 analytics side. I asked him about, um, you know, with with the the the, the fans' uh, greater exposure as as they've done a great job with respect to their streaming product. Um, there's also going to be a demand for uh, more information, more analytics, like the NHL, and and he he acknowledged. Uh, Absolutely. And, and he was kind of on board for wanting more information. Uh, but he, he said that don't expect time on ice anytime soon. It's something that, that, you know, they they have to um, get permission from the, the NHL clubs for any of this stuff. And the time on mm-hmm. ice for prospects is something that is carefully, carefully guarded and um, that, that uh, franchises have, uh, absolutely no interest up to this point in letting that information go public. Much of this information is already uh, uh, collected. We we right. know that the information that coaches get from the AHL after the game is different from the, the information that we get or that's, that's made right. available uh, to the public on the website. Coaches get uh, a, a much uh, more uh, a much deeper breakdown of the information that's, that's not available uh, to us. And, and uh, you know, don't hold your breath on it being made, made available uh, anytime soon, as far as what's there um, enjoy it, but don't, don't treat it as the gospel truth because it's going to take some time to uh, adjust to it. That's right. But we do appreciate the progress. You know, the AHL has made steps in the last couple of seasons with their streaming service, which is much improved, still, still, continuing the evolution of improving that. And, and we like seeing uh, steps forward for statistics and analytics as well. So just a new feature for you to enjoy on the AHL website. 
We are going to take one more quick break, and when we come back, we're going to go beyond the AHL, give you a couple of updates about some uh, players uh, you're familiar with who uh, were playing in the final preseason games in the ECHL this weekend, and uh, we're going to talk about some out-of-the-box thinking at the Wells Fargo Center for the Philadelphia Flyers. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report. And watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at All Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. And welcome back once again to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson. My co-host, Rick Stevens, is with me here as well. And again, don't forget to find us on Twitter at the AHL Report. Uh, You'll get live updates uh, pretty much every day. New content that hits the website uh, gets disseminated on Twitter as well. Uh, Live game coverage, you name it. Lots of information. You'll want to be following us at the AHL Report. Uh, And for Flyers fans, make sure you're also following at the Flyers Report as well because you'll get all of your Flyers and Phantoms-related information all together in one spot right there. Now, Rick, uh, this last segment beyond the AHL, I just want to mention briefly that the ECHL did have their um, last preseason games this past weekend. We did mention for for the Flyers and Phantoms that uh, Sandstrom and Pascal LaBerge went down to Reading. Well, it just so happens that uh, Reading played their last two preseason games uh, against the Adirondack Thunder. And if folks remember from our podcast last week uh, the Adirondack Thunder has three players from the Laval Rocket who were sent down last week and that would be Hayden Verbeek, Antoine Waked, and Michael McNiven. Uh, So I just wanted to just thought we should mention uh, how how those guys did uh, this past weekend we uh, particularly you know we had talked about how uh, you know with with the Connor Lacouvets and the Caden Primos and Kincaid being signed. So Lindgren having to come down that there was just a lot of room. And so McDivin gets shoved out of the AHL uh, Antoine Wake and Hayden Verbeek uh, kind of unceremoniously uh, put in the ECHL, which, which that happened for Wake last year as well for, to begin the season. Um, so the Thunder won 
the first game of the weekend and they lost the second one in the first game. Uh, McNiven was not in the net for that. However, Verbeek and Waken both played in that game and they both uh, tallied assists in that game. In fact, uh, initially looked like Antoine Waken had scored a goal um, in that one, but it, uh, it ended up as a deflection. So he was credited with the primary assist, but Verbeek also with an assist, uh, they, they, Performed very well, obviously going to do everything they can to scratch and claw their way back up to the AHL. Um, However, on the second night, the loss to the Reading Royals, uh, Michael McNiven was in net and it was a six to one loss. uh, Absolute blowout. Um, Adirondack Thunder coach afterwards basically said, you know, the rookies look like they were playing like rookies. Uh, They were making some rookie mistakes. He opted to leave McNiven in for the entire game instead of pulling him. Um, Just wanted, wanted him to kind of get out there and and just ride it out and have the ice time. Um, However, I did note, um, you know, the, that's not necessarily indicative of, of how he performed. Uh, There was a, a, a beat writer who was covering the game who said, who basically said that, that none, none of the, none of the goals were really necessarily McNiven's fault. And that basically that the Royals were keeping him busy. Uh, I think, I think the Royals had outshot the Thunders something like 11 to four in the first half of, of the first period. Um, and that there were a lot of sloppy turnovers happening. So, um, you know, Rick, we talk a lot, we, we talked a lot in the first segment about how, that transition when you get sent down from the NHL to the AHL is a difficult emotional and mental obstacle that you have to deal with. And we've talked in the past how that's equally difficult getting sent from the AHL to the ECHL. Um, But then being put into a situation like this, where you've got a bunch of rookie ECHL guys making bad turnovers and you, 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 you lose a game six to one can't be great for Michael McNiven's outlook either. It's tough, and and uh, we 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 know how emotional uh, Michael McNiven was uh, just before he was sent down. Uh, when when he was asked, we played that clip when asked about uh, his his year uh, by Chris G, uh, the year ahead, um, and um, he said, "I just want a net and and want a chance to prove myself." And so, uh, you know, I'm, 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 uh, go, him, him going down. He, he would have been upset, and and uh, and and as we talked about, wondering how how this all happened after being uh, goaltender of the year in in the CHL just uh, over two years ago. And um, uh, but I think leaving him in the net, uh, you know, he that that he is an emotional guy, and that that uh, being pulled. Uh, you always have that kind of defeatist kind of attitude, but, but leaving you in and uh, you know, going down with the team, you know, if, if anger replaces sadness, that's not a bad, that's not a bad thing. Um, no, it's not. And um, so that that's okay. Um, and yeah. I, I hope, I hope that's what happened. And I, I hope that Michael McNiven can uh, work this out and, and, um, um, it's it's tough for him being in a uh, um, an organization that he's not familiar with. The New Jersey Devils uh, are the parent uh, club of of the Adirondack Thunder, and and so that's really tough. Uh, but maybe he he uses it as, as an opportunity to get uh, eyes on him um, that uh, you know people who haven't seen him before and uh, 
and he gets to prove himself and, and uh, uh, maybe moves on to, to a different club um, where, where he can get back on track. Absolutely. And, and kudos to Antoine Wakett and, and Hayden Verbeek. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked about Wakett's play in the past, you know, he can, he's, he plays on a bit of an edge um, as, as we have seen plenty of times, but he can also uh, really get going on a, on a good run. So uh, wishing the two of them luck. Uh, it seems like they started out really well this past weekend. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see them uh, one or both of them back in Laval sooner rather than later. But we will be sure to keep uh, keep an eye on on all of that uh, as as the regular season for the ECHL progresses, which opens this weekend, um, and so um, should be should be a lot of fun. And for the, for the Reading Royals, uh, they actually get to start their ECHL weekend on the road in Newfoundland. Uh, they will be in St. John's playing uh, the Newfoundland Growlers this weekend, which means they get to be present for the raising of the Kelly cup championship banner this weekend, which will be quite an experience for that, for that group. Um, and so wishing Felix Sandstrom, Pascal Aberge and the rest of the Reading Royals crew uh, good luck this weekend as well. Uh, finally, we, we do <laughs> We want to have a little bit of fun as we go beyond the AHL and, and I'm going to circle back around to the Philadelphia Flyers in the NHL. And Rick, we've talked, we've talked a lot over the summer and in the past year about some really out of the box things that, that Philadelphia has been doing. We've talked about, well, I mean, everyone knows what, what the adventure with gritty has been like for the last year. We talked a couple of episodes ago about uh, some pretty spectacular new uh, ticket pricing and renovations that they've done at the Wells Fargo center, uh, as far as making it a more um, fan experience centric kind of atmosphere at the Wells Fargo center. Uh, And with the home opener happening tonight, it feels like it's been a year and a half since the flyers played their last game last Friday Um, with the home opener tonight, the flyers and the Wells Fargo center are just rolling out gimmicky fan experience things left and right let me tell you what i mean it it's so it's it's something we definitely have to at least spend a minute to talk about because it even caught the attention of the bbc uh we had a we had a, a call from bbc radio 5 live it's the bbc's home it's a podcast that comes out every week it's the bbc's home of breaking news and sport where stories come to life and uh James and Mitch, who are the hosts of, of that program on, on BBC Radio, uh, contacted us today, and, and I've, I will we'll be sure to, to put it out there when, when a link is ready, but I uh, was happy to make a guest appearance to talk about this very thing, gritty and all the new experiences happening at the Wells Fargo Center. So it's, it's that spectacular that it's even reached across the pond, and they want to know about it. Um, Let's start with the Gritty Command Center. Uh, this is a new feature for for fans at the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, the, the mythology is, of course, that in the course of the renovations to the arena last year, Gritty's hideout was discovered. That's how he came to be. Um, and so now they've actually turned his quote-unquote hideout into a fan experience, and you can go check out his little decked-out little fan cave and his, see his shrine to Claude Giroux and... and all of those kinds of things. And while you're there, you can, 
get gridified uh, for you, you make an appointment and you pay a fee and there's a whole, it's like a, it's like a spa day to be gritty. Um, there's a whole menu of things you can choose from, from just getting the, the basic is you get blasted in the face with orange grit powder so that you walk around with a chalky powdery orange hue on your face all night. Uh, you can pay $20 for gritty's choice where you just, hand over 20 bucks and gritty gets to decide how you get decorated. I don't know that I would trust that. <laughs> um, there is the $50 option for the full orange where you get orange hair an orange beard an orange shirt an orange bandana and an orange gritty fanny pack. And then at, if you really want to go all in Rick, $100 uh-huh. for the, I can't believe it's not gritty package where they're going to make you look exactly like Gritty, head to toe, 100 bucks. Wow. Yeah. This is not a Halloween thing. This is anytime. No, this is a real live thing happening at an NHL arena. If that's not enough, if that's not enough. Late yesterday, the Flyers announced another new feature, which can act, be accessed only through that new uh, standing room only half an arena long kind of lounge suite that we discussed a few weeks ago, uh, the the assembly room uh, where tickets are $25. It's standing room only, but there's leather couches and fireplaces and private bars and restaurants and whatnot. And you can just kind of mill around and socialize while you're watching the game. Uh, And there's a secret little tunnel through there that for $35, $35, you can pay to have entry into what they're calling the disassembly room, which is essentially a rage room where you get suited up in safety gear and a helmet and a visor and your friends and family get to watch through a plexiglass window while you're given a hockey stick and I don't know, five minutes, 10 minutes to go in and smash the living crap out of as many mirrors and TV screens and computer monitors and glassware and dishes and guitars and whatever else they can come up with. And I think if you pay a little extra, they'll customize it with whatever team you hate that you want to take out all of your aggressions on. It sounds like a brilliant idea in Philadelphia, really. This is kind of disturbing. And so far, uh, I mean, the 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 Flyers are spending, or Comcast, I guess, is spending two hundred and sixty-five million dollars on this this complete renovation of Wells Fargo, including my. And this is, I, I don't know if I'm going to get to this this rage room, but I want to get to the Wells Fargo Center to see this this score clock that we talked about, oh, a fifty yeah. million dollar four K kinetic. Um, score Ooh. clock that does all kinds of things and, and is supposed to be best in, in sports in North America. Um, but this other stuff, and, and I understand it's kind of, kind of, kind of been done before when you think of uh, the Nashville Predators during uh, the playoffs, they roll a car mm-hmm. up and they paint it according to their opponent and then they pass out the sledgehammers and turn the, the um, outside of the arena into Smashville and and uh, they smash up, uh, you know, a, a, a car. There was some, no. They also smashed up a plane too when the a jets plane. Were, yeah, they did. Yeah, we're playing. <laughs> so, and <laughs> and we we've, we've heard about these um, 
adult sandboxes where you can go and and oh yeah uh, drive heavy equipment tractors and and front end loaders and smash up things and move things this is kind yeah. of kids kids uh, adults being kids so in philadelphia it's Adults getting to when when they can't deal with their rage anymore, they get to have a, a childish tantrum in a room all by themselves <laughs> where they can smash up things, I guess. Is that what we're going for here? I, you know, I guess so. Um, it's funny that the, the, the BBC guys asked me today uh, in their interview, is this sustainable? <laughs> I said, <laughs> You know, I, I don't know that it is. I think the gimmick's going to wear off pretty easily, um, particularly that it costs you 35 bucks to do it. Um, they did add, they po- they did pose a great question to me, though. They said, is there a menu option where you can smash everything in the room with gritty? And I said, well, there's, that's a great marketing. T- that's we got to we got to ask the Flyers PR crew about that, because that's <laughs> I think people would shell out money for that. Uh, you know, it's the reaction I've seen on Flyers Twitter so far in the last 24 hours has been a lot of fans saying, um, is this a good idea to be encouraging Philly fans to, and and these are Philly fans saying, y'all, we know how we get, do we really need encouragement to go smash a bunch of crap? And then, and then who turns the off switch? I mean, Philly, you go to the Wells Fargo center, you're going to have a few beers, you're going to go smash a bunch of stuff in the rage room and then what walk out and be smiles and puppies and kittens and sunshine. I doubt it. (laughs) I wouldn't want to um, be wearing a Canadian's Jersey in the Wells Fargo center and run into one of these guys who's just come out of the rage room. Uh, The other thing is there's got to be some sort of waiver or something because uh, you 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 ramp up the rage and and go ahead and you can smash any of these specified items. But what if right. you know, as you said, where's the where's the off switch? What if they turn to the drywall? What if they turn to the light fixtures <laughs> and the you know the the the, the uh, cars fire the extinguisher lot. and the and the plumbing and electrical? I, I mean, there I don't know. Be careful what you I wish know. for here. Uh, turning on the rage of Philly fans. I this is this has got uh, trouble written all over. Disaster. This, you know, and I think they're trying to they're trying to discourage people from throwing their light up wristbands on the ice. I think this might be swinging the pendulum a little too far in the other direction. Um, fingers are crossed that fans take this for the silliness that it is and do it in all good fun. And, and um, as I heard a news commentator say today, rage is spontaneous. You can't plan it. And aside from tonight, tonight it's okay. Walk up and get in line and you can do it. Otherwise you have to schedule, like you have to make an appointment. (laughs) So you're going (laughs) to, I'm going to plan to be outraged on Friday, October 11th at exactly 9, 10 p.m. Probably not. So hopefully this just is a a silly little fun fan interaction kind of thing. Um, I don't know that it'll be around forever. Like I said, I think the novelty will wear off. But uh, you can guarantee that I'm not going to get orange powder blasted in my face. by gritty or anyone else so i 
everyone just beware of the photos that you're going to see coming out of the Wells Fargo Center tonight because God only knows what people are going to look like having been through the gritty command center or the rage room. It should be just a jolly good time overall. Uh, with that well, being and, said, and Canadians yes. fans should pay attention because in the renovations of the Bell Center, uh, they are also talking about a, uh, a standing room only area oh. and a, a mingling area and a social area and, and much, it sounds like, mimicking uh, what's going on at Wells Fargo. So, so maybe there will be... Like I have not heard about rage, a rage room. room. No, I have not heard. <laughs> I've not heard that yet. Yuppie's gonna go no. mental and just start smashing things. No, I have not. Yeah, the, the Black Friday massacre could could have a whole different <laughs> meaning. Uh, Let's hope not. Let's hope not. It will be fun to follow it though, and we will be sure to do that. Um, I will mention. Uh, we will have live coverage. Uh, the AHL report team, Flyers report team, will be in the building at the PPL Center on Friday night when the Phantoms take on the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. That will be Joel Farabee's debut, uh, and Phil Myers will be back in the lineup. Alex Lyons should be back in the lineup. So uh, be sure you're following at the Flyers report, at the AHL report for live coverage and, of course, uh, post-game interviews, audio, video, the whole uh, kit and caboodle. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we will also have uh, coverage of the Laval Rocket game against the Milwaukee Admirals on Saturday night. Uh, that's at 7 o'clock. Uh, so, yeah, there's a, there's a Canadians game happening at the same time. So just keep your, uh, your Twitter locked on at the AHL report, and we'll keep you updated on what Laval's doing out there in Milwaukee. Um, and of course, Rick, uh, not only can they find us at the AHL report and at the Flyers report on Twitter, uh, they can find you at all Habs. You can find me at Flyers rule and, and be sure you're following us, uh, at AHL report on Facebook and Instagram, head over to YouTube, uh, go to the all Habs hockey magazine, uh, uh, YouTube channel, subscribe, make sure you hit the notification bell so that you get notifications when we have uh, new videos up for you to see, uh, as well as also go to YouTube and just search for the Flyers Report. We have a, a brand new YouTube channel for the Flyers Report, so make sure you subscribe and hit the notification bell for that as well, because that's where you're going to find uh, all of the Philadelphia Flyers and, and Lehigh Valley Phantoms videos that we'll be putting out with interviews with players and coaches and, and all sorts of fun things that we've got coming for you this season oh, yes, there are things coming uh, that we haven't unveiled yet. So lots of exciting stuff. Make sure you're finding us on all of those platforms. Visit the website, ahlreport.com. And if that's not enough, Rick, there's also ways for them to listen to all of our podcasts here at Rocket Sports Radio. Well, the first stop is um, ahlreport.com to listen to this uh, podcast, and that's from the press box. We focus on the AHL prospects, um, and uh, particularly uh, those from the Montreal Canadiens and the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, we also have in the Rocket Sports Radio Umbrella uh, three other podcasts. There's the Canadians Connection prod- podcast, which uh, appears live on Saturday afternoon. There's Hab a Listen with Lewis and Gibby, Matt Blaine and Treg with Habs Unfiltered, and um, you can find those at your favorite podcast uh, app. 
but if you're looking for a one-stop place, uh, Rocket Sports Radio, rocketsportsradio.com, um, you can find all of the episodes, including the back episodes that you might have missed over the summer that you might want to listen to for any of those four podcasts. We invite you to do that. Share it with your friends, uh, you know, on any, whatever, whatever podcast platform you choose to listen from. Make sure you hit that share button and let all of your friends and family who are also hockey fans, Flyers fans, Montreal Canadiens fans, AHL fans, let them all know where to find us as well. Um, and every time you, uh, you, you give us a five-star rating, it just helps bump us up uh, in the search results as well. So make sure you do that if you like what you hear. We appreciate it. Uh, and Rick, it's jam-packed show today. Uh, it was a lot of great information. Thank you so much for being here. I'll thank Bubba since he was here for National Take Your Teddy Bear to Work today. Uh, he did a great job in teddy bear support over there on the chair. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, we'll keep, uh, we'll keep doing all the work uh, right until we're back here again next Tuesday. We shall. Got a game tonight uh, with the Montreal Canadiens and uh, Buffalo Sabres. Um, and, uh, but it seems multiple games every single night, and we'll uh, do our best to keep you uh, well-informed. That is true. And, of course, we've also got the Flyers facing the New Jersey Devils in that storied home opener. So we'll have it all for you. Enjoy this weekend of hockey, uh, lots of hockey every day. And uh, we'll see you back here next Tuesday for another great episode of From the Press Box. Till then, have a good one. We'll see you then. And keep on.